Wait a minute. Hold up, 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 up. This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. remember the big moments in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I am your gracious host. Alongside me, the completely barren inside Justin Waddell. How's it going? Hmm. Don't don't like that intro. What's going on with that? I mean, you 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 cannot you cannot foster and deliver a child. Your womb is a is a bread basket. Well, now I'm, now I'm beginning to like it. No, Thank you. I mean, I'm you're doing... full, you're full of emotion, but mm-hmm. you you got no baby territory in there. All right. All right. That sounds that sounds fine. Thanks for um Hi. <laughs> Wasn't that Under Siege 2's cat like second title? Under Siege 2 Baby Territory. <laughs> Who was the baddie in Under Siege 2? Eric Bogosian. Yeah, they got they went from Tommy Lee Jones to Eric Bogosian. They kept it they kept it brunette, Nick. I mean, they did. They did not. I they think Goshen had a dyed hair hairdo in that movie. Oh God, he did. Did he? Was he blonde in that? I think he had a dyed hairdo in well, that movie. I'm I'm talking all natural. They kept it brunette. But you're yeah. right. I'm I'm beginning I'm, to see a Bogosian, a blonde Bogosian. <laughs> Is that true? I'm looking it up. Uh, pl- please. Please have dyed hair. The coast. No, you the, know what it was. E- Everett McGill had. Uh, he had the dyed hair. That's right. Mm, his, mm-hmm. his. Yeah, I knew somebody did though. That was that was very vivid in my memory. I tell you what, though, I'll be picturing Eric Bogosian with blonde hair the yeah, rest I'll, of the night. You know, that was actually. I I like that movie actually, mm-hmm. and I and Everett McGill was effective in that movie. He was. Yeah, and Bogosian just showed up at Uncut Gems, right? That's a. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, he he didn't go anywhere. I mean, he still, I mean, he was in he's billions. Still he's, he's still killing it. Yeah, a playwright, Nick. Yeah, a play wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, he peaked early. Like, has he done anything? Does anybody care about him anymore since the eighties? I'm not sure. I think he tried to get into the like the monologue thing, like uh, Spalding Gray. Wasn't he doing a little of that? And how did it go for him? <clears throat> Spalding Gray. Yeah. They found him. In, they found him in the river. They did. Yeah, he didn't make it. Spalding, great name. Yeah, Gray is also a great name. That's it. The whole the thing together. It sounds like a D and D character, honestly. Or it sounds like uh, when it's time to buy a new basketball. 
Mm. All right, sorry. All right, I was drinking coffee. Hey guys, it's a movie microscope though. We're killing it. We're uh we're getting dangerously, treacherously close to the prince. Anyway, so what's the show about, Nick? Guys, the movie microscope is a show where we zoom in. Um, I mean, no joke, we we nail it. We uh we we pull up to a toll booth and we fucking just completely scram and uh you know we, we watch a film with a set of uh night eyes and really really find the core of it all and as we as we dig through the the debris and the chablis we pull out the microscopic things of which we make or break so if we were talking about international velvet we would talk about the scene where the horse spends the majority of the film sliding around on its back we would talk about the little moments and a moment like uh stakeout two known in America as another stakeout. There are so many zooms, so many small moments. Mm. We, we, we almost need to do like two shows devoted to this film. And you mind if I zoom in real quick, go ahead. Uh, Timely that we're doing two shows focused on police. Tangentially, (laughs) tangentially focused on police. Let's not act as if, (laughs) <laughs> let's not act as if this is really police we killed it uh excuse me at least they're white <laughs> yeah could not um, be whiter actually than these well two guys. yeah but the thing is that i guess in in the defense of this movie they're barely doing cop things right in the first movie they were barely doing cop things in this, this one, movie they're less yeah it seems less and they're not doing them well yeah so anyway i mean but let's 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 uh let's let's we can't leave that giant elephant in the middle of the room without bringing it up Hmm. this film is known for a variety of things over the years but there's really one thing this movie is known for the shot the shot the shot scene around the world I mean, we're talking. That's the the thing that people still talk about to this day from this film. Yeah, there is. If we if we didn't agree to do this movie before we watched the first stakeout, and we just dabbled in watching it after getting excited about the first stakeout, we would have seen thus the moment, and canceled our plans and forced ourselves to do an episode on it. Right. It's too big. It's too big to not talk about. I know you're right. So. And if you guys haven't seen another stakeout or if you have seen it and you don't remember this moment, shame on you. You call yourself a film fan, but we're here. We're here to remind you and we're here to celebrate. And uh, so I would, you know, a lot of you, and actually I know Lauren over in, in uh, Tennessee gave me, gave me a little bit of the business for making her watch man's best friend. You're going to be glad you watch this one because this film, in addition to featuring uh, a trio of America's favorite actors. It also has one of the most celebrated and important shots in film history. One of those shots, uh, I think it's kind of hard to figure out exactly how they pulled it off. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And it's one of those, it's like one of the more subtle shots too, I think. Yeah. In I mean, cat, in, in dog chasing cat cinema, you know, like in, yeah. in that kind of, yeah. It's funny. Cause th- this, it, it actually was the first, known instance in human history where animal abusers and PETA were both like, we good. 
We're good. <laughs> they uh what was I gonna say? Anyway, let's 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 back up a little bit before we talk to this about this shot in in, in depth. Who's in this movie, Nick? Miguel Ferrer. Okay, order of importance, and you started out correctly. Dennis right. Farina. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna get controversial here. Emilio Estevez. Jesus, really? Over Dreyfus. Yep. Then Dreyfus. Oh, I thought you were gonna say O'Donnell. Then cameo by Madeline Stowe. Then Kathy Moriarty. And then Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> well, that's the thing that I think. So actually, about- can I rewind? Archie, right. and then Rosie O'Donnell. Archie's Rosie O'Donnell's dog in this. Correct. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the gap between six the hit fucking years. The, the hit movie Stakeout and then this, its sequel. I think, and I think when this came out, it it flopped. Right, it wasn't a big hit. It's an it's actually insulting to flops to say that. <laughs> and so they obviously waited too long to capitalize on the original film. But I think one of the things this this film forgets is why that film was a hit, which I believe that film was a hit because of the chemistry, obviously between Emilio and Dreyfus, they're fun together, but Stowe and Dreyfus were good together. I think I people think there's like another, them together. There's also another chemistry you're not mentioning. Let's hear it. It's honestly the chemistry between movie, movie audiences and buddy <laughs> cop films. No, seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I told a joke. <laughs> no, I know you're being serious. I guess go ahead. No, I mean you think about it. Was it eighty seven? It was like a golden year, like that. That was mm-hmm. shortly after Lethal Weapon. It was. It was in that sweet spot where everybody just wanted to see more of that. They love that. They love the banter. They love the buddy comedies. They love the marriage of genres. It's just the, it mis- was the right the time. mismatched. The mismatched cops. Yeah, and then. And and then when that wave passed by, there was certainly this isn't the only offender, but a lot of films thought that they can go back to that well very unsuccessfully. Mm-hmm. I mean, 48 Hours tried to do it. Lethal Weapon kept trying to do it. This did it. I mean, it's it's a sad thing, but time had passed us by, and six years is an excruciating amount of time to to wait for a stakeout fucking movie. I know. Can you imagine? Oh, the, the fan? <laughs> well, another thing is, you know, Madeline Stowe, this, one of the stars of the last one, she just cameos in this. I imagine she was busy or they just didn't know what to do with her once she was not central to the plot, like as as like the person they were, you know, peeping on. But um, in this, she's still with Richard Dreyfus, and uh, she's leaving him because he has failed to ask her to marry him. She's very angry about this. They have a fight at the beginning. Or I think that she punches him in the stomach. Is that either that's that a, great, or a great punch? Great punch. Yeah, she and punches he's, him in the stomach hilariously. And he's waiting for the kiss or something. He's waiting for a. He didn't get it. Uh, but the thing is, it's dumb because obviously, let me zoom in. These two are meant to be together. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, he's about Ben Ben size. <laughs> he is. She, Madeline Stowe is 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 married in real life to a legend. A legend, Nick. <laughs> and who would that be? Brian Ben Ben Ben. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the great. The great. Star of Dream On. Star of Dream On. And that's it. And star I, of I John Landis's 
Dear Woman. <laughs> and was, was yeah, I mean, I come in peace. Mm-hmm. Was he in uh was he in Indian Summer as well? Did he sneak in there? I don't think he was. No Ben Ben was and Binder? No, no, it's just a that's a big that'd be nice. But Brian you know, Brian Ben Ben. What a great name. Middle uh his middle name Benjamin. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean that is a great last name, and it's a name uh destined for for uh the annals of history. Do you want to watch a long ass interview? Go onto YouTube and find Mark Hamill interviews Brian Ben Ben. What are you talking about? Excruciatingly long. What do you mean? He's like Brian Ben Ben <laughs> every time. <laughs> Ben? <laughs> What's he? I just want to know what he's interviewing him about. Is he, is he a big fan of Dream On? Uh, I doubt it. Now that Dream On cable. So yeah. much nudity on that show. Yeah, so much. Do you think Stowe was on that show? Like, how did they? Well, they didn't meet on that show. No, but I wonder if she ever. Wonder if she's ever on Dream On. They should zoom in. <clears throat> um, so yeah, here. Let's a show look. that doesn't. A show that's not available, right? Is it? Is it ever on? I don't think so. Did they have the rights to use all that old footage that they use? Is that why? That it's must. Not? That must be the issue. And and who was behind that show? Do you remember? I don't. I don't think it was anybody with a big deal. Is it Landis or no, somebody? I don't think so. Somebody like that is behind it. Yeah. It's sort of like how Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid was, isn't it? A little bit where they kept, where they used that old shit. Yeah. And it's hard. It, was it, was that movie unavailable too? Uh, Steve no, Martin? I don't think anybody, uh, I, don't, I don't, I don't think so. What was I it called? Dream On? Yeah. I used to watch uh, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid on HBO back in the day, like every it's day. It's such a slow movie. Oh, Betty Thomas directed it. David Crane created it. Not David Crane, who was worked for Activision, is it? Not the guy who no. created Pitfall. No. No? You zoom in? <laughs> Different David Crane. <laughs> There's somebody else. It's le- like Landis is in there somehow, okay. I think. All right. Doesn't matter. I mean, so anyway. let's be honest here. Uh, you guys are clamoring to know what the plot of this movie is. Uh, they go mm-hmm. on a stakeout again. They do, and they don't want to. The movie starts off with a... Um, uh, a very long sequence where Kathy Moriarty from Raging Bull um, and her husband are kind of in witness dish. and soap dish. Yeah. And, and witness protection. A lot of like FBI agents are guarding them. They're in a house in Vegas and <clears throat> Miguel Ferrar. Or, how do you say it? Ferrer. Ferrer. I always say Ferrar. Just but think of Ferrar. gasping and you're fine. He, uh, uh, an amazing presence, and uh, I loved him in Twin Peaks, RoboCop, obviously a legend. He's an assassin in this, and he gets the call to go, you know, where this this couple is, and he's going to go destroy everything. And he does. He blows up the house, but she escapes. <clears throat> and um, it's, a, it's a very well shot scene. It's really the explosion is beautiful. It's very mm-hmm. well. And it features none of our leading characters. It doesn't. It goes on for about 10 minutes. It's sort of like the first movie, though. The first movie is that jailbreak, Mm -hmm. and that doesn't feature our heroes either. And it it feels like when you watch it, it feels like, well, they really kind of, you know, Badham, John Badham, who directed this as well as the initial film, it seems like he's 
trying to make more of an action film. The, the house explosion is featured for about two minutes, like a minute. If it just blows up like five times. Yeah. It re-explosions. They want you to see it from all angles, how big that thing is. It's, it's um, ridiculous. And then they cut to our heroes who are again pursuing some petty criminal. And there's another, you know, fish store fight. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and, 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 and a weird... Is, a weird yeah. little homeless uh, subtext there, too. Well, yeah, because Dreyfus is like he's undercover as like a homeless man, right? At the beginning, sort of. No, and no, there's he's some undercover as a guy cleaning the park. Richard. Okay, well, he he's interacting with the homeless folks. And what happened was there's a guy there that has killed a homeless person. And they're trying to figure out who this is. And one of the other homeless gentlemen tells Dreyfus, that's the guy. That's who killed my friend. And so Dreyfus and Emilio Estevez... They pursue this asshole. Yeah. And it involves, you know, Dreyfus fucking up again and a lot of fish. <laughs> and a smelly, a smelly uh, trash, uh, you know, garbage truck with squishy sound effects. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the bad guy tackles Dreyfus off a balcony into a garbage truck and they have a fight in the garbage truck. <clears throat> but I thought this was interesting. Emilio gets the garbage truck, the guy to pull over the driver. And he says, my partner's back there. And the guy just dumps the garbage in the street. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's in the middle of the street. Just dumps it out. Yep. It's gross. What? It's squishy. It's not cool. It makes squishy and then, sounds. And then this guy gets shot by a homeless, a homeless, uh, the homeless man. He, he, the guy had stolen Dreyfus's gun. And they show his holster because he looks down and there's a fish in it. <laughs> Ridiculous. There's a fish in his holster, holster, Nick. Yeah. And didn't you make a joke in the, in the last episode that there was somebody, you're surprised nobody had like a fish in their pants or something? Probably. I think you made a so comment they, about that. And, and then one film later, they corrected course for you. <laughs> the fish get a lot of play. And I think the reason that they do it is they're like, let's make Seattle, you know, such a character in this. And what's Seattle known for, right? Coffee. Fish and holsters or something. I don't know. <laughs> they just throw fish you know around like stupid? crazy in these things. Yeah. The, the thing that stupid? really stuck out for me, uh, stood out mm. for me on this, the music is so overdone during these action right. sequences, especially this particular scene with the scene where they're being chased or chasing this guy. Arthur Rubenstein, who is luckily now dead, uh, he did the score for this and he did Nick of Time and he did the other stakeout and some other dog shits. It is that awful end of the 90s. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Early 90s, end of the 80s shit where they were overdoing it. Lots of. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. He did the Oscar nominated score for Nick of Time. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me. <clears throat> When's the last time you blasted that on Spotify? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's my comfort. That's my comfort music. Yeah. It takes me back to that Johnny Depp star, man. Who else was in Nick of Time? Well, I just got the, the re, I just got the remastered version of it, and they really pulled out a lot of those other dumb sounds. Uh, Christopher Walken, Courtney Chase, Roma Mafia, Charles Dutton, Peter Strauss, Gloria Rubin, lots of fucking people. Sounds like, sounds like you're you're like saying a curse. Is that like the? <laughs> Is that the recipe for a curse to say in those names? Yeah. Yeah. In that order. 
Anyway, so what you know? By the so way, that was guys... my celebrity chef name if I ever made it big. What Nick of Time? <laughs> the goddamn shame. <laughs> All right, so these guys they have they they screw this up. They do get their they do get their man. They capture this killer, but he gets shot in the process because Dreyfus screws up and. And gets his gun stolen. So they get berated by a new captain. The captain, there's a new captain in town. But he's the same as the old, he's our boy. He's Dan Loria from the first film. And he has that Forrest dog Whittaker. and he still has his cigar. And Forrest Whitaker does not return. He was on to better things. Dan Loria had time. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, I'll be the captain. Um, and he says, look, we need you guys, even though you're complete." Uh, fuck ups all the time. We need you to do another stakeout. You've been requested by Rosie O'Donnell, who works uh, for the DA's office. Uh huh. And she needs you guys to, uh, you know, find the killers or wait to to watch the friends of like. So what they're doing is they're fanning out. They're trying to find Kathy Morarty, who's gone missing from this crime scene. They don't know where she is. She's not right. dead. They know that. And so they're like, we got to find everybody that might that she might go to. <clears throat> and of course this, the, the person they, you know, the friends of this, uh, you know, this couple, there's, there's a couple that are friends with, I guess, uh, Kathy Moriarty. They think she'll never go there, but we're going to have you guys watch them. Right. Yeah. So they do. Yeah. The funny thing is it up perfectly. You did. You killed it. Um, <laughs> the funny thing is, is early on this film, if you ever want to wonder when this film was made, there is a big reference to Madonna's sex book. There is at the beginning, yeah. And there is mm-hmm. a Ren and Stimpy conversation in this movie. Okay, this the nobody Madonna, asked for. The Madonna sex book thing is uh, is strange, but it was fine. Like his, because I think uh, Dreyfus says this guy looks like uh, he came from the pages of Madonna's sex book. That's fine, at least as a throwaway. But the Ren and Stimpy conversation. It goes on for like two minutes. It's not. It's not good. And Emilio is singing that its praises and trying to uh, explain it to Dreyfus, and Dreyfus isn't having it. And in the punchline to the whole conversation is Dreyfus saying it's the end of Western civilization. Yeah, it's funny. There's, this movie, you think about, and this is so deep. Um, this movie is coming at a time when the buddy cop movie was sort of in its middle age. Mm-hmm the people making this movie were sort of getting hit middle age. And it's, it's almost as if they, they knew what they were doing. They knew that they didn't have a horse in this race anymore and were sleepwalking through it because there's nothing pointed about the jokes, the banter. It just really seems like it's Mad Libs basically where they took what was in the first film. And they tried to just make it six years later Right. And 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 it as much as those two guys are, they're still good together, and mm-hmm. it's still fun to watch them together. It's obvious that there is no there's no passion at play in this movie, except for that one shot. No, it just feels like, like I, we said before, they waited too long. <clears throat> you know, obviously Dreyfus and um, Amelia still have chemistry, but you know they struggled to come up with, I guess, why they'd be on another stakeout and to to try to put together a compelling crime with that said i would watch a new one in a heartbeat of course of course yeah i would too but it's funny you look at like train spotting train spotting sequel is wonderful 
And mm-hmm. granted, they're not exactly similar films, but they waited way longer and it was still delightful. Same thing goes well, for other I movies, think like Wall Street. The reason that, that Train Spotting sequel is so good is it's such a commentary Frozen. on the first movie and it's almost like a remake in a weird way. It's just, it's very thoughtful where this movie isn't thoughtful. They're just getting the gang back together and hoping, uh, you know, to strike like, you know, strike twice or, and so, uh, I can't talk tonight <clears throat> or ever. Um, Dreyfus is is wearing the strangest clothes in this. Like he's so disheveled in this. And at one point he has a he, everything's like rumpled. And he's got this this black baseball cap on that has no logo, which is already weird. But it looks like they covered up the logo. And I, I tried to I thought maybe it, it was like a cop hat and it had like, you know, Seattle PD but he had like a little cover over it because he's right. undercover that he could like flip down when it got serious. Do you know what I'm saying? Did you notice this hat? It had I like did. a weird dent in it. I, I, all I could think of was Paul Newman. I thought it's, he looked so much like Paul Newman in this movie. I, and that hat did not help. It made him look more like Paul Newman. I got some bad news for you. Okay. Nick at times 1299. <laughs> Where do they get off charging that much money for that movie? Are they still trying to? I think, uh, you know what I think? I don't investment? think they actually uploaded the file and they're afraid somebody's going to want it. So they just like, let's 1299. It keeps us, keeps us from using up that, that hard drive space. <laughs> and my chore and, and me at my chore at bay. That's all it is. Do you I wanna, think that it, go I, I got a weird thing. Okay, so I have a I have a big wiffle bat out here in the corner. Mm-hmm. And it is covered in slugs. Oh wow. They and like it, the wiffle bat. It, I'm wondering if it's a, an actual Louisville slugger at this point. <laughs> I need to take a picture of that for the Instagram. It's, it's you should. No, that is there it's a, a wiffle bat's made of plastic, right? So is there something about slugs and plastic I'm not no one told me about? Well, I mean, that's their natural habitat. Like over millions of years, they would always ride on plastic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like since the dawn of time. Did you uh are they baseball fans? Is that another thing people aren't telling me? I don't know. It's just very it's a very strange thing to see. You should do is try to throw throw a ball at it, see if they swing you know swing well, i can't because the balls are covered in snails <laughs> well there you go and now you have the names of the teams the opposing teams <laughs> um so you you'd mentioned this on the Did phone they, the by day. the way just just look real quick just look stare at them and say uh nick of time is 12.99 on itunes see if they do a double take no it's like <laughs> verbal salt fuck that <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell them how much salt costs. <laughs> um, no. So you told this to me. You told this to me on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, how beautiful some of the shots were in this movie, especially the Miguel mm-hmm. Ferrer and, and Vegas stuff. So you are you saying that? Are you laughing at me for saying that? No, because actually I, I put it on when I was doing some cleaning today just to have it in the background. Mm-hmm. And I could not agree more. So there's some night shots in this of Miguel uh, <clears throat> for, for I can't how I love him and I can't for, say his name for air just think of for air gasping um, for air for air and so uh, <clears throat> he uh, rest in peace by the way I know he 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 I I love and especially in Twin Peaks he was like my favorite part of Twin Peaks he 
That is a weird pull. That is weird. Do you remember him from Twin Peaks? Yeah, he's fine. Oh, he's he's the best. No, especially. He's, oh, he's so good on Twin Peaks. He's not good in the return. Yes, he is. He's great in it. I'm. I was so happy they brought him back, and and then it came out after he passed away, which sucks. But, um. Anyway, yeah, he played like kind of the it, what you thought was like the polar opposite of Kyle McLaughlin's FBI agent, like his like the cynical version of 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 Kyle McLaughlin's more like, you know, um, sedate or car, you know, just just nice FBI agent. And it turns out that he was kind of it, they they revealed him to be a boot a you know Buddhist later. It doesn't matter. I love his character in this. He's in front of Binion's like he's at Binion's casino uh, in Vegas. He's in he's having a conversation in front of Binion's, which is, you know, this kind of iconic looking casino, uh, light blue and white and red. And it just it's just a wonderfully shot scene. I mean, it looks it looks out of step with the rest of the. It film. does. I, I, I got to yeah. blame. I got to I got to think that there that's the one contribution one of the film's producers had to this movie. You know who I'm talking about. Huh. Who's the producer on this film that we've talked about a lot? Maybe one of his first jobs. I don't know. DJ Caruso. Oh, Caruso in this. Okay. Was he, he produced this? He was a producer on this movie. Co-producer. I I didn't know. You brought that up, but I forgot. You could trace his DNA right back to here. Old DJ, DJ must Caruso. have been. He must have been in his early twenties on this bad boy. Yeah, well, you know, his, uh, he got a hard lesson in film right out the gate. Good for him. Yeah, DJ Caruso, I love him. Um, I mean, we got the Salt and Sea. We got Eagle Eye. You know, don't say Salt and Sea to those slugs. They're not gonna <laughs> like that. Don't say that. By the way, these are fast slugs. There was like eight on there. Now I see two. Yeah, these slither going on over here. Oh my God! Did uh, <laughs> Zack Snyder direct them? <laughs> I don't hey, know. come on! All yeah. right, so this is what I wanted to tell you is that Rosie O'Donnell decides. What did you think of this? She she hires these. She she demands these guys because they have a a good stakeout record. They're good at what they do, apparently, but they don't seem like it. And um. She demands not only are they put on the assignment, but then she says, I'm going with you. I'm bringing my dog. And we have because uh, they, what they, they're doing is they're pretending in this in this movie, they're, they're pretending to be a family. And Dreyfus and O'Donnell are married and Emilio is their son, their older son. And um, and uh, which Dreyfus box at. He's like, what? But, you know. And that's their cover. And so instead of hiding in a building across the way, they're going to be like this pretend couple. And then also, you know, be staking out that other house and, you know, taking pictures. Well, and it's, it's very Hollywood focus group shit, you mm-hmm. know, because he's just, he's not, he doesn't want to do the job until it turns out that they have a fancy car. And Emilio uh, is asked to shave his mustache, which is a way bigger plot point in this movie than any, it had any right being. And it, and it's like one scene, he's really grumpy about it. And the next scene, he's fine. Like, it's this weird. It's like they took these ideas and said, all right, here's the steps. You have to have him shave his mustache and it'd be a big deal. You have to have her want to bring her dog. You know, all these crazy things that are just gimmicky as hell. And mm-hmm. it doesn't help that Rosie O'Donnell is the person delivering the dialogue. You would think she would try to maybe come up with an accent or something to mm-hmm. try to be different. But she is 
she was at the beginning of her fame and she mm-hmm. was just basically playing Rosie O'Donnell in this movie. She so she was a in character. a she was in a league of her own before this, which you know she people really liked her in and um she was good in. And, and you know, in this they yeah, obviously she was a comedian and they wanted to bring some um, you know, some more comedy to the situations, but she ends up playing more of the straight person in this, like a straight man. Like she, she doesn't get that much. She's annoying to the characters. That's her role. She's annoying to Dreyfus and Emilio, right? She's like a thorn in their side. And then when she, she gets upset that they don't like her, that's her character. Yeah. And then she gets to be a hero at the end. Don't get me wrong, but she doesn't, she doesn't, they don't write her character that well. Um, so she's at a disadvantage, especially since everybody just kind of wants to see Dreyfus and Emilio be silly. You know what? I, I would not be surprised mm-hmm. if John Batham mm-hmm. was at dinner with the screenwriter and he was like, there's no fucking way I'm doing a, a, another stakeout. There's no way I've moved on. Mm-hmm. I've dire- I think he may have directed Nick of Time, actually. Did he did Batham direct that? I mean, do you have to ask? Of course he did. Okay, yeah, I didn't even that's that's weird that this That's is, why we we're talking about it, I think. So yeah. he's and the and the screenwriter's like, hold on a second, I've got a hummus joke. <laughs> and then Batam instantly called his agent and signed the paperwork, sight unseen. Do you uh, remember that hummus joke? Of course. Well, I yeah, I, I do remember. Well, why don't you tell us it? No, I, I mean one of the one of the, the, the they have this twist that Rosie O'Donnell isn't uh, a glutton and she cooks really healthy food. And uh, Richard Dreyfus is enjoying their first meal together, and he says, "What is this?" And she says, "Hummus." And and Dreyfus, it was like she had spoken an alien language to him. Yeah, he says, "What is? What is?" <laughs> or something like that, right? Yeah. What does he say? Is, yeah, yeah, that might be right. And then Emilio. Uh, who is also a health nut in this in these movies, uh, illustrates to 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 Mr. Dreyfus what it is, and he makes a, a, a Hamas side joke, and, and then Richard Dreyfus pulls a gun on him, which is actually cute. He pulls his gun out at the dinner table, which is pretty great. But it's it it really feels like, like I said, timely. For, yeah, middle aged guys. Trying to make, uh, trying to get in touch with what the kids want to see, and missing completely. So, like Nick pointed out, Dreyfus no mustache in this. Emilio, he has it a little bit at the beginning, but then he has to shave it off because he has to look younger, like because he's playing the son. And there's a scene in it when he's shaving on the way to the assignment, and he obviously has already has his mustache shaved, and so he has this electric razor hiding the fact that, yeah. he, and he's just doing such a weird job. Especially if, yeah, it's just. And by the way, the, the, the yeah. day that one of those razors would actually cut off a real mustache. I know. That's the most unrealistic thing about this film. Yeah. So, and then, uh, but the reason they do it, if you guys are missing them, if you're like, I'm not watching this movie, uh, there's no mustaches in this. Huh. Guess who they cast? Dee Farine. Dennis Farina. Who was he ever without stash in film? I don't think I've so. I've seen him without it before, and it's hard. It's like Reynolds hard. It's like uh, it's like it's, is it? It's like, it's like, like Elliot Stan, hard. Yeah, Sam Elliot. Yeah, when he's but it's it's Reynolds hard too. <laughs> Trademark. <laughs> there's okay. There's a weird thing in this that I noticed. This is this is uh, what our show is known for. Um, Miguel Ferrer. Close. Close. Uh, for air, um, he calls. So he, he his boss is some 
you know, a Vegas crime boss. Who knows? Yeah. Like this guy's in like two scenes. He doesn't figure in. <laughs> By the, the way, movie he's at all. the lead villain, and he's in two scenes, and he's involved in nothing. Yeah, and so he's he's in some like he's lounging in his bed in some like big Vegas room, uh, and then he has this uh, this lamp, this you know table side lamp that is like zebra print, right? Okay, it's just so odd looking. And then R- Rosie O'Donnell later shows up in a jumpsuit like she's out exercising in a zebra print jumpsuit yeah and at one point dreyfus has kind of a black and white pattern tie the zebra print influence on this movie is immense that is a quality zoom it is not bad um another quality zoom you want to talk about a missed opportunity yeah i do so at the beginning of the film the safe house miguel ferrer arrives and he is in the septic uh, truck and he he's actually pushing fluid into the building rather than sucking it out as it's supposed to and a yeah, delivery person shows up at the same time and there's a huge squandered opportunity here okay because they open up the door and there's a guy delivering a pizza and they have every opportunity to go pizza <laughs> and they die was re- <laughs> yeah pizza uh they don't do it they think that guy is the assassin so they they, you know, they run, they get the, and then, but they do actually, they do take the pizza in. I think after no, they, no, the guy takes it out in the yard and is inspecting it. It's very, it's very stupid. Oh, he does. He's so in does the, he do that? And he's, he's got the box open and he's looking at a pizza and they go, is, is, is like, is there a bomb? He goes, I don't know. Oh, and there's a pizza then, there. Does he say, uh, does he say, instead of, yeah, pizza, does he go, no pizza? No. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, that's the so what I was gonna say. Um, I, I had a note here. I'm sorry. Anyway, you went back to the to that, but I had I had, did have another note before I want to get to that the, the 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 shot that you teased. There was another note. Oh, okay, this is it. So they did not bring back Emilio's wife for this film. Right. Do you remember her name? No. Beatrice Boppel, my man. Oh, shit. But they did bring back somebody that had to be shocked to get the call. No Whitaker. No Beatrice Boppel. But they brought back Madeline Stowe's brother. Oh, that's (laughs) right. (laughs) Yeah, carrying furniture out of the place. The guy that barely figured into the first movie barely figures into the second film but he's still there stowe is barely in this movie but the brother's back did you miss him were you like i hope they bring that character when i was watching stakeout i was like this guy i know he's he's like a he's sort of a criminal he's got Mm -hmm. he's got a history but i wonder if he's in jail yeah yeah i wonder if he can carry furniture (laughs) yeah he was moving stowe out of richard dreyfus's uh of their apartment together and Which who is plays- confusing because she she's moving out and then she wants him to leave. It's, right. Yeah. Well, she's in love. I think. Yeah, she is in love with him. Uh, and who plays the guy uh, with who gives him their their car? The guy over at the police impound. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what is I don't I I recognize him and I wrote down his name, but I don't I don't like have Larry it something or other. Right? He's a comedian. Yeah, but what? Yeah, but he was in something else too. I looked yeah, but- it up. Yeah, but he was most importantly he was in it was in this. That's true. I mean that's the, 
Yeah, he he gives him this awesome car, and he's like, "Don't this is new? Don't this is like a prototype? I don't know what he's saying. He's like, this is fresh. Don't don't do anything to it and drive us." You know, Larry he, B. Scott, Larry B. Scott, he, uh, Ferris Bueller's out of that. That's what it is. Yeah, he played Lamar Lamari or Lamar, I think, in Revenge of the Nerds. Zoom in. <laughs> That's so, right. let's talk about the shot, Nick, that you teased so eloquently right. at the beginning of the show. Literally one of the most important shots I've ever seen. Um, uh, the dog, uh, there's a there's a t- an orange tabby cat, and mm-hmm. it's obviously Rosie O'Donnell's dog Archie that she she forces them to bring. Who the man's they bring mysteriously like Max from Man's Best Friend, and there is a scene where this dog chases a cat up a tree, just mm-hmm. like Man's Best Friend. It's as if stakeout another stakeout was like an amorphous black mirror thing that didn't take shape until we got up to it in episodes to where it just Mm -hmm. gave us little things it's like it it almost came out of our minds in a way right it was like this just lump and then it formed you know sort of like robert patrick right before our very eyes turning into this thing and so john batham probably in cahoots with the cinematographer Managed to pull off some pretty beautiful shots at the beginning of this film. I think he got tired of doing oneers or, you know, Mm. shots that were just dialogue shots of three uninspired actors. And he said, I'm going to blow my fucking load in one shot. And he consulted his uh, special effects team to build him a rig. They were unavailable. (laughs) So he got one of the homeless guys that they consulted for the beginning of the film to Jerry rig. Uh, I don't know, a, a cotton ball and some spray paint into. <laughs> okay, so picture this. There's a chase scene involving this dog and this cat. And for some inexplicable reason, they cut to a shot from the cat's asshole. <laughs> of the dog. So you see the dog chasing. You it see the you dog know, chasing you from the perspective camera. of the cat's asshole. And I'm not making this up because there is a the worst designed cattail you'll ever see in your life at the top of the frame frame indicating that we are, are that there is a film crew in this cat's asshole. And it's a quick shot. It it is the most, no pun intended, half-assed shot. (laughs) And it, it, here's why, first of all, Nick pointed before I watched it, Nick mentioned this and then somebody brought this up when we were, so I guess it's sort of it is kind of an infamous shot, but Who brought somebody brought up? it up in the somebody brought it up in the comments on like Instagram or something. So really, yeah. So here's the thing: this whole scene is so unnecessary. It is such a throwaway. It, the whole scene is basically Emilio and Richard Dreyfus don't want the dog there. They're right; it shouldn't be there it gets out and chases a cat and then they spend a couple minutes on a dog and cat chase. Who cares? Mm -hmm. And then they, (laughs) that's already dumb. And then, and then they have, they're like, well, let's like Nick said, let's, let's, let's make this thing zip. Let's make this thing pop. (laughs) Let's do it. How they didn't do it in man's best friend. And And I uh, just want to know, I want to know in my heart of hearts that there was a moment where Sam Raimi watched this film in a theater and saw this. The uh, the rage that must have come out of this gentle man seeing 
You think this a Raimi-inspired shot? It kind of is. It is in a way. Like, he's known for that. Like, the camel head, stammel yeah. head, all these things, all these different camera shots that are, you know, and obviously, think about how much Breaking Bad, how much mileage they get out of putting the camera in places cameras aren't usually put. And then this old-ass, raggedy, fucking second-tier director tries to throw his fucking hat in the ring, misses the ring, misses the stadium. Um, but why? Like, this look like, why? I guess... Because if they just were doing a cat dog chase and then they show the cat, the dog running towards the camera, right? Like running towards the camera. That's fine. You'd be like, you put it together in your mind. Oh, this is from, this is from the kind of the cat, the back of the cat's perspective. Why do you think they hung that tail over? That is, (laughs) that is the biggest mistake. I mean, if the tail wasn't there, we wouldn't even have noticed the shot. Okay, I mean, were, were they, they were they fucking with the audience, or did they, you think they thought that was a, a ingenious? You know, like they, this is it's what exactly what it needs. This is the Hugh Jack's files fan. secret sauce. I want to believe, right? I want mm-hmm. to believe. I want to believe. Let's. What's the cat's name? Because it's not mentioned in the film. Novels, Crubbles, Scrubbles. What's the cat's name? I need to know. Scru- Scrubbles is good. All right, let's pretend let's his name Scrubbles. is Scrubbles. I want to mm-hmm. see the Scrubbles cut of this movie. I think we should hashtag demand the Scrubbles cut of another stakeout. I would like to think that Batam was fucking in, like, in love with this shot and filmed every scene with the cat's ass camera. He's like, all right, now we got our martini. Let's get one. Let's get one with the cat's ass. And he just shot the whole film with the cat's ass. And, 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 a, and a cut could be assembled of just those shots. Because I, I think it would be a, a horror uh, for cinema that, they, that that less than a second shot in this movie is the only footage there is shot from that cat's asshole right who knows he may have had it out of a woodpecker's penis i mean you never know what he might have thrown on the floor they later do a shot similar to this when um the bad guys you know in pursuit of dreyfus and they show a shot from his ass with the jean shirt (laughs) jean shirt tucking i don't understand the shot it's it is mind-boggling to me that they went to this effort for for the most inessential part of this film. You know like what they, though? This is like what I'm saying is they put more work into this dog and cat chase than any other scene in this film. <laughs> <laughs> like, did they? It's just, it just, it just screams effort. You, you know, know what? I think Batam may be actually a genius mm-hmm. because that made me like the film more. I mean, of course, it's hard to hate. I mean, because it just gets you picturing the day. You know, like we, we've talked about this before, that mm-hmm. there is always people in this business to, that are there just to say no, mm-hmm. to tell you why you can't do this, why you can't spend that, why you can't shoot this, why you can't use this person. Mm-hmm. And and I cannot imagine that Batam was drunk with power to where he could just do that without, you know, the will of the business coming in stark opposition that that's not only did that get done it made it into the movie that's the thing that blows my mind the editor it's probably there's probably he's probably in heaven now and he was going to hell until he fucking humored batam by putting that in the in a cut of the film i just keep thinking that they wrapped some fake fur around like a coat hanger and then duct taped it to a camera and the cinematographer was like i quit I'm done. This business sucks. <laughs> like, do you think Batam got made? He's like, do you think people are coming up to him with, 
uh, you know, different cattails. Like this isn't the right shade. Like throwing it on the ground. He's like angry. He's like, we we're losing light. <laughs> Meanwhile, the cinematographer is in his garage. Like they, he's got the door open. It's, you know, he's spray painting on a Sunday. Guy walks up and goes, man, I love that you're giving back. You're doing a student film to kind of keep your chops. He's like, Paramount's another stakeout coming to theaters next summer. What do you think? Dreyfus skeptical, like I said on the last show, he, you know, he's, Jaws was such a troubled production that he was not confident in that movie and he had bad-mouthed it before it came out. But I think before he saw it and obviously before audiences loved it. Um, you know, what do you think he thought when he saw <laughs> taping a cattail to the camera did he did it take him back to those uh bruce days of the the shark ain't working you know i think that that's that is the quintessential second unit shot i'm going to assume that that was just second unit was less busting balls and they just delivered their film cans and went on with their day and then the editor's like oh i'm going to use this shit wait a minute are you telling me that dreyfus wasn't there on that day <laughs> watching the cat and dog chase <laughs> Oh my god! Well, the the funny thing is, is that leads up to one of my favorite little moments in the film, mm-hmm. because they're forced out of the house and forced to interact with Dennis Farina earlier than they expected to. So they had this uncomfortable moment of communication with them, and that's a that's a cute little scene. It is because they have a huge backstory. Like I said, Rosie O'Donnell and Richard Dreyfus playing uh, newly married uh, couple. It's just. Dreyfus' second marriage. Emilio is supposed to be the kid from the first marriage. And then, so O'Donnell's kind of feeding him this kind of elaborate backstory. And they're like, all right, all right. And then, like you said, this is your favorite part of the film. And you think that Emilio is kind of the secret weapon of this movie, right? I I felt like he was the one who was having the most fun and taking it seriously or... Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just because he's Emilio Estevez and he, and he has one one note in its earnest all the time. But yeah, it's cute. It's cute. Like when he says, like cute. when he hit, yeah, he ahead. he ends the scene where he shaves his mustache. Mm-hmm. There's all this banter, and he ends the scene saying, "I look like I'm 13." And his delivery is actually really cute. And then in this scene, he's really funny. he should have said he should have said, "I look like I'm Martin Sheen" because he looks like he's like Mar- looks like Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now in this. You didn't you notice that? Yeah, well, it, it's it's kind of like a similar. Yeah, that's his son. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but I I thought you know this is this is probably similar to the experience of of shooting Apocalypse Now, the shooting this film. Yeah, I mean the scene where Duvall's ass. <laughs> but they were doing some like, experimental shots in that in that film yeah. and. Uh, anyway, so um, yeah, d- so yeah, so Emilio what does what in this scene when he first meets? No, it's, so they're, they're forced to communicate, you know, communicate as if they're a real family. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell forgets Richard Dreyfus's name immediately. Richard Dreyfus forgets that he said the one thing you don't do is invite them to a party. Instantly invites him to a party, and Emilio Estevez, all he knows about his character is that <laughs> he's the child from the first marriage. His mother's dead. <laughs> which he communicates exactly like that to these guys. It's adorable. <laughs> it's adorable. That is a funny sequence. It yeah, is. And sure. it's funny because you got Dennis Freen up on the hill. And there's also a little conversation where he asks him about, he asks Dennis Freen about his mustache. 
and he's 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 like in he's jealous of his mustache and and Farina plays along. He's like, I've had it most yeah, of my yeah. life, and it's like a it's a really kind of cute little charming scene. No, Emilio loves that stash, yeah, and it's a good looking one. But this this film, you know, they're staying in somebody else's house. I think the judge, like they call him, they're staying at a judge's house, and his name is like, something the, Gary or like a maximum something, maximum, maximum Dave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, uh, you know, he's like he's like a tough judge, but he he's got he's like obviously a young judge because he's got the, there's kids' rooms in in this house, and that's where Dreyfus and Emilio are splitting this room. So you see that they're both sleeping in this race car bed. They're on like a Mickey Mouse phone. And at one point, Dreyfus is playing a Game Boy. <laughs> you know? What do you think he's firing up on the old Game Boy? It's got to be Tetris, no? Like, is it rhymes with his name? <laughs> sort of? <laughs> Richard Tetris? Um, yeah, And it's funny because Paul Newman, known for being in race cars... And you got the clone of Paul Newman in a race car bed. I mean, I don't know the clone. I don't know if he's the clone. I mean, like uh, classically handsome Paul Newman. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call Dreyfus classically handsome. Not a bad looking guy. You call him what you want. I'm just going to have another scoop of this Dreyfus's own ranch dressing real quick. <laughs> scoop, huh? That's how you do with the. That's how you do with the dressings. <laughs> By the way, I would totally buy Dreyfus's own. <clears throat> you know um, what I love? And this might be. I don't know if this came out. This came out around the same time as What About Bob, ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Dreyfus's thing about just gibberish, like yelling out just gibberish, it's one of his trademarks, and it's he uses it in here, and it's actually kind of funny. I mean, it's not as what good as it's not as good as the thing in What About Bob, where he's like, "Get out of the car!" You know, is like yeah, delivery yeah. of that. But he does that in this too, where it's instead of delivering a line, he just makes these funny sounds, and it somehow works <laughs> out of his fucking so, coke-addled brain. <laughs> so one of the things that we talked about in our last show when we did Stakeout was that Richard Dreyfus was an irredeemable pervert right. in that movie. You know, likable, but certainly in infringing on people's personal space beautiful this beautiful madeline stowe's uh uh you know he was watching her naked like it's 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 a perv tour de force right he starts perving on the neighbor in this very briefly well that's the thing so there's a subplot of this movie that got shit canned i believe because i think dreyfus was trying to uh make some time with the neighbor and he was remember she was a different helping her right yeah, the guard. Yeah, a different neighbor, but a guard. She was gardening, and then she lost her her kid threw a baseball through their window at one point, and he's supposed to help her find the kid. And they that's the only scene they get. And apparently, the actress later complained that she got cut out of the movie. And so there must have been a little bit of romantic subplot that interfered with this background plot of Stowe and Dreyfus. And you and, kind of and it definitely interfered with the a plot of them having no real villain or any real tension yeah well no i mean uh for our like he 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 certainly plays he plays a he plays a pretty 
despicable, like just threatening assassin. Like he's always kind of a threat in this. Movie. Right, but it it would be like Mr. Joshua being the only villain in Lethal Weapon. He's yeah. It's weird because there's that, and there's also this awkward attempt to make it a mystery who kicks Emilio Estevez's ha- ass when he's sneaking around the house during the dinner party sequence, mm-hmm. when it's so obviously Kathy Moriarty and the audience, even today's audience who's savvy. Uh, you know, that's that you could expect them to figure it out quickly. I think even 1980 or 93's audiences were not fooled. Right. And I understand well, why, because yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely when it comes to action comedy, the comedy is more important to them than the action. Mm-hmm. But so we, we talk we about t- tone all the time. This film really is struggling. So you talked about the cat scene being the maybe this most the strangest part of this film and i think it's it is but i think there's a close second okay there's a scene when a delivery guy comes into i think comes to the house or something and o'donnell for some reason pretends that dreyfus is her dad his dad her dad and he starts to do some old man oh that's funny imitation like he does puts on an old man voice and he says at one point like, he, you know, he does, like, gets decrepit, and he's, like, kind of, and he says at one point, he, he falls on the ground, like, kind of ass on the ground, legs in the air, and he says, I, I think I broke my depends, as he says. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, no, or, or she pushes him over, and he says, you broke my depends. But that is a very strange scene. Like, he's mad because she's calling him old, yeah. I think. And then he... Please. that's what it is that's what he she says this is my much older husband or something like that so then he starts pretending that he's like right. 90 yeah it's bad man man it's not <laughs> it it's not is, great it is bad i also like the fact that um when he dreyfus offers, he goes for it he goes for it yeah. he doesn't he doesn't half-ass it yeah. he's like that uncle at at the family reunion who thinks he's funnier than he really is but right and then he puts his hand in you but the uh the um when they get to the house and 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 Dreyfus asks if she if he wants if she wants him to carry her through the threshold, and she she says you know the, the love has gone out of our marriage, and then he walks in and Emilio um, he, Emilio is carrying him in, and he's sprinkling rose petals on him, <laughs> right right after that, and then he drops him like a fucking sack of potatoes. It's it's almost like it's almost like they're, they're like we need something for the trailer. It's like Three Stooges or something. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, like yeah, we need yeah, something yeah. that like make you feel like everybody's having a great time when they're obviously so, dying inside. So they prepare for this. Par- <laughs> they prepare for this party that Dreyfus and Amelia are like don't want to have, but they're going to turn it into their benefit because they saw they saw a third figure in this house. So that this you know Farina and his wife were coming over to this party. Rosie O'Donnell's making some weird egg penguin hors d'oeuvres. Do you remember this? Oh, yes, I do. And so then, um, uh, so Amelia's going to do this reconnaissance that Nick says that that's when he bumps into Kathy Moriarty and he gets uh, pushed down some stairs and gets, or gets punched, knocked out, whatever. It's handcuffed, all sorts of shit. The cutest, now this is where Dreyfus redeems himself from the old man uh, acting masterclass that he puts on. He pours some drinks, and when he pours a drink, he says, "He says, doot." <laughs> so so good. Yeah, and he and he pours drinks. He makes the most hardcore drinks ever made. You know, he 
like a, oh, yeah, a yeah. splash of the of the uh, mixer. Well, they're trying and they're trying to get him to stay. So what happens in the scene? It's kind of fun. Is that Emilio is doing his work over there and he doesn't come back, and so they they try to so they try to get Farina and his wife to not leave. So they give Emilio more time, but they don't want to stay. They hate it there. Yeah, <laughs> a couple. One I love hours. that. Yeah, I love it. They are really yeah. ripping. It's how I feel at every party. It's so good to see them just, you know, the, the scenes where they cut away to Farina and the girl and they're trying just to get the fuck out as quick as they can. Yeah, they, O'Donnell, uh, Rosie O'Donnell serves them dessert and they eat it in a matter of seconds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, they, and, they you know, tear through it. Yeah. And isn't it something, isn't it just like whipped cream on, is it just whipped cream? I she I think she just like yeah they make it up they they improvise dessert and it's yeah it's they, like cool I think they end up asking crackers. her for the recipe at one point too. Of course, Frida gulps that down, man. He's yeah. Um, here's here's the thing. This is a little bit of a zoom. Their house, the house that this Maximum Dave's house looks a little bit like the villain's house in the girl with the dragon tattoo. I thought. Did you fall asleep during that zoom? No, I just, uh, I mean, Stellan's house, trying was, to picture it? Stellan's house was way nicer. I'm not talking about the under the basement. Oh, because that that's yeah. one really of my favorite part of the house. Oh, yeah. OK. <clears throat> um, and so you have O'Donnell, who, O'Donnell blown up. She's this is the thing. As bad as Emilio and Dreyfus are at their jobs, O'Donnell's worse. And she's blowing like the simplest things. Like she can't keep the story straight that she concocted. She's just. She's remember like she uh, they had been observing, um, listening in on their conversations. And so there's a, a friend, uh, like a couple that they know are getting divorced. And O'Donnell knows too much information about it. By the way, uh, this is this film is actually being used in an investigation right now. Because uh, it was funny, like they didn't know the cause of death when Farina passed away and the coroner did this extensive research. And after like six months of research, he came to the, the his surviving family and said, did he ever eat whipped cream really fast? <laughs> well, Farina gets ice cream headache in this. Remember, he has yeah. to act ice cream headache. <laughs> Is there has there been I wonder how many people have had to act an ice cream headache on film? Do you know? It's I, it's, I think I'm sure you use the Strasburg technique. I bet I bet it's a lot now I'm thinking about it, but we should that'd be fun to catalog. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think they were Neapolitan ice cream sandwiches. I think that's the dessert we're trying to remember here. That they kind of fake ice cream sandwiches and they use Neapolitan ice cream. Is that a is that a favorite ice cream of yours, Nick? Do you like that? I think it, it was all I could eat at one point because my parents always were shit and they my dad liked strawberry and my mom liked chocolate. Mm-hmm. And so it was like their fucking that was their fucking that was Switzerland for them. And so I had to I was vanilla boy. But yeah, oh, I, here's the thing I, I don't think they it's not anymore, though. Is Neapolitan still a thing? It should be. I'm sure you could find it. The, the thing is, in my household, vanilla and chocolate gone and that ice cream, that square of ice, uh, strawberry ice cream still there hanging in. You know, no one is touching it. <laughs> <laughs> Accidentally getting chipped away at. You know, yeah. Um, Desperation, man. You'll eat. You'll yeah. That's like when you go. That's when you'll eat the ants with on the chips. But so let me let's talk a little bit about the unsurprising nature of this film. Okay, so at one point, uh, Amelia's tied to a chair, and he, he, you know, and he starts to go up some stairs. 
and it's because he can't get loose. And he starts to, he gets up the stairs and he's trying to open a door. What happens? Doesn't go well. Well, the door opens and knocks him down, which he knows coming, yes, right? Absolutely. Late, later, there's a car on a pier. Uh-huh. That, the car that, that, you know, and Emilio gets in it and starts to try to back it off this rickety pier. What happens? Yeah. If something happens to him. It, it looks, well, it looks like it's going to, he looks like he, 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 he cleared it. Like he, he backed it up enough and he doesn't. And it goes in. So, by the way, there's foreshadowing a, earlier in the film where he yeah. drives a remote control over the edge of a ramp. He does. Yeah. He's killing time and, and it's total foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. That's when he also says that Archie's going to get diarrhea. Remember that? <laughs> no. The dog? Because the dog's eating something and you're, you're going to get diarrhea. Uh, it must be chocolate. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Man. Anyway, so let's let's talk about the end. Let's get there. All right. I mean, it. Miguel Ferrer, see, he performs a siege on this house that they're all staying at. Mm-hmm. And it becomes an action film where a bunch of cops are shooting at other cops and nobody knows what's going on. People get people. Some of our heroes get shot. And we lose Miguel. Yeah, he gets shot in a pool and Rosie O'Donnell takes a bullet protecting Kathy Moriarty and. There's like a lot of like what happens is a dirty cop that's kind of once they, you know, Richard Dreyfus reports and uh, Amelia report back. They, hey, we found dirty D.A. Dirty. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. He's not a cop. I don't think. Yeah. So he's or an FBI guy or something. And he's the one and he gets killed, too. But it's just like it it kind of just wraps up how you expect it to wrap up. Um, And but what's the true ending of this film? Tell me. Who gets to be together at the end? Oh, that's right. Madeline Stowe and Dick Drive. Uh-huh. They get back together. He, he proposes to her in a romantic way, and their love is rekindled. Might have I zoom in? Yeah. No ring. He did not have a ring. He proposed to her. He proposed to her on the phone, and then she's kind of hangs up on him, but then he... he he like real earnestly at the end, he's like, will you marry me? Like he's like love in his heart and she can't, of course she loves him. You know, she loves Chris Leach or whatever. what's his name? Lechi. Yeah. And, um, but he didn't have a ring. Yeah. You think Ben Ben proposed without a ring? <laughs> no. Uh-uh. No. no. You think Samara you know she, proposed without a ring? You know where he, you know where Richard Dreyfus should have bought, got the ring from? Gollum? The Stowe. <laughs> The dr- jewelry stuff. You know what would have been great if uh, the mm-hmm. post credits it's uh it's the wedding and her brother is is has is administering it. <laughs> so Amelia would, at the would end, give his character the most complete arc in the entire series. <laughs> Amelia at the end of this film he has a little bit of a discovery. What's that? He he says to O'Donnell about his facial hair he says you 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 were right i do look better without it mind if i zoom in Mm -hmm. no (laughs) no (laughs) you know it's funny no it's just like emilio this guy man you want to talk about one of those guys who has laughed lasted many decades in hollywood with Mm -hmm. no respect at all like he (laughs) he Charlie fucks up all the time. Bigger star, more hireable. Fucks up all the time. 
And Emilio busts his fucking little britches all the time, trying to make movies, mm-hmm. writing, directing, editing, getting the financing, and making movies, trying to make mainstream movies and trying to make important private movies and, and just all mm-hmm. this shit. Failure. Nobody gives a shit about Emilio. And the funny mm-hmm. thing is, That's why? Because uh, no mustache. No. Oh, why? He's the. I'm just saying he's the Bo Bridges of this. He's not the. Uh, no, because Bo. He's Bridges, the Bo Bridges of this. No, Bo Bridges don't work hard. This guy works his ass off. Martin Sheen. I, <laughs> Martin Sheen. Lloyd Bridges. I get it. Charlie. Jeff. Emilio Bo. Right. No. No. <laughs> no. I. I would say. I would more say who's the hardest working Baldwin. God, there isn't one. <laughs> Shit. Okay, imagine. Okay, I'm gonna make a sports analogy. Um, okay. Dominique Wilkins for the Hawks had a brother named Gerald, who I actually had the pleasure of knowing. He he was amazing. He made it to the NBA. He mm-hmm. worked so fucking hard all the time. Dog shit career. Nobody gave a shit about him. Every time anybody okay. talked to him, they asked, "Oh, you're Dominique's brother." Guy had a pretty long career. Nobody gave a shit. That's Emilio busting his freaking womb apart, you know? And the funny thing is, we should have known better from the jump to, to give this guy an, a warm embrace and support him. Mm-hmm. He's like, my. he was born Emilio Sheen. He had the name. Mm-hmm. And he said, fuck it, I'm going to earn it. Charlie was right. born Carlos Estevez, said, I'm taking that name. Right on. And 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 look what happened. He made the right choice. Super mm-hmm. famous. Right. And, and Emilio said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to earn my respect and do it the, the right way. And Hollywood's like, oh, fuck you. Uh, Emilio played the long game, though. Look who's on top now. Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> no, Emilio, come on. I mean, look. Charlie's is he is Charlie hireable at this point? It doesn't the, matter. The people... That guy's still getting paid, like just to just to be weird. I mean, he's still he's made for life, mm-hmm. and he's actually. I mean, and the thing is, at his peak, I love Charlie Sheen. I, I mm-hmm. love him in a lot of movies, but he never outworked Emilio, ever. And Emilio's big I... line was that he changed his name because he sounded like a Spanish hair care product. Emilio Sheen. He that was his big joke. That's why he said he he got rid of the name. You don't believe it though. You think he was trying to strike out on his own? Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's two people that Hollywood was one of the. I'll, I'll call Hollywood a person. Hollywood's mm-hmm. like no fuck off, and then Demi Moore is like fuck off. <laughs> well, I will. I was going to agree with you, but do you ever hear that his, that he did get his middle name changed? What was it? No, it's it's uh, my dad's Martin Sheen. <laughs> Estevez, <laughs> that's Emilio. So let, let's let me. I have a few random notes at the end. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw your way and let's get your take. Okay. Dreyfus gives Kathy Morardi a shiner at the end. They have a fight. <laughs> she's fine with it. Like she's like you know what I'm saying like she's okay. <clears throat> uh, Ferrar has a huge gun that he's running around with yeah. like it's half his size like this is like it's like a gun that you would have in a rpg you know right and at one point he's he's you know he's running the running the yard looking he's gonna he's gonna create mayhem and he runs by a crooked kayak 
just like <laughs> cocked against a tree. <laughs> uh, that's an iconic. That, that was an iconic that was his, shot from yeah. this. Like Miguel first started a private beer brewery called Crooked Kayak. <laughs> that was his profile pic on Twitter back then. Um, <laughs> the Crooked Kayak. So then, um, all right, I have a couple more notes here. This ends with a little role reversal. Dreyfus proposes to Stowe, like I said, very earnestly in his apartment. He, uh, She accepts. They embrace. They cut out to a car that Emilio's in. He is <laughs> perving on them. He is binoculars looking, somehow looking into the apartment, watching them start to have uh, celebratory sex. Yep. And he says, I, that's how it ends with him perving on the, this friend and his friend's girlfriend or f- now fiance. Yeah. And, and he a looks little... away in disgust. He's like, oh, God, come. <laughs> <laughs> He's serving up a master class. So the first film um, ends with him going, what a, what a boner. And the second film ends with him going, oh, come. <laughs> Did uh, Amelia have a heart attack during this, like his dad in Apocalypse Now? Did that happen? No. Did that happen during this? No. Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't what 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 happened, Amelia? It was so stressful. They were trying to attach that cattail to the camera. <laughs> I ended up in the ER. Um, and then the assistant editor Nick in this movie, I, I caught that credit at the end. Right. David Tweet in this. <laughs> Ahead of his time. Yeah. Yeah. David Tweet. I'm just happy that Amigo recovered from his uh his heart scare that he suffered during another takeout. Another stakeout. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> in summary, what what did you think? Like how does this compare to the to this to the original? Do you feel like you need to see both? Yeah. Is this a franchise that that you that you still love? Come on. I kind of do. I kind of do. Yeah. You, you know love what? Emilio in this. You love Emilio. I mean, they're this. both. I love Dreyfus more in the first, and I like Emilio more in this. This is a, this is a nightmare movie. There's nothing really redeemable about it, but I, mm-hmm. you know, it's it you, you, it's it's still a warm place. I remember this film came out when I worked at the movie theater, and I knew things weren't all great when they it debuted in the film in the theater. I think it was called Theater Seven, and it had maybe forty seats in it. It debuted there. Yeah. Usually, that's what happens. Like a film will come out, it'll be in the the two big theaters until it starts to wane and it just makes its way backwards. Same thing happened to another 48 hours. I think they debuted in the same theater as did maybe has, Delta force two. Maybe it has something to do with the word another. Yeah. It's a bad play. Yeah. How many films feature that? I know another 48 hours, another accused, another stakeout. Any other films did it? Brother from another mother or wait, brother from another planet. Yeah. But that's not not another teen movie. Yeah, but, I'm just thinking of the word another in the yeah. titles. I don't know a sequel with another in it. Is you know, there a, there's... Oh, you got to hope Aronofsky get another mother out. <laughs> oh, Aronofsky, how I miss. Yeah, we need to get him on here. We need to do one of his movies soon. Like he's he's prepared. He was prepared from this this pandemic from the from the get because he had those scarves chilling. He just pull them up over his mouth and nose. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, him and, him and uh, Bogdanovich are fine. 
Yeah. By the way, um, there's a podcast devoted to Peter Bogdanovich's career that I actually subscribe to because I'm an idiot. And I turned it on and uh, I made it about three minutes before wanting to ch- Charles my phone out the window. <laughs> Why? <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> <laughs> Because he's too pretentious for you to chuck it out the window. Yeah, of course, of course. So was he? Is he on? The, yeah, he has. There's. He, it's him. Yeah, sound bites of him inter- being interviewed about his career, and it's like many. It's like a twelve part fucking thing. Oh god! And he makes he goes into massive detail mm-hmm. about his neck pieces that they are not scarves. Oh, so he's real. What are he's they? Like no, that would be pretentious if it were a scarf. It's a bandana. And I really like, this phone cannot leave this car fast enough. <laughs> oh, the, the, I am trying to I mean find the name. Yeah, that's that's rough. It, it, what a podcast have you been listening to, man? You, you've been you've been killing it. You've been I listening I to I don't podcasts? like promoting competitors that uh get you know downloaded. Competitors to who? Like I said, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to start recommending other shows that get that act that actually get downloaded and listened to. You said you're a huge fan of Emilio in this movie. Do you remember his name in this? Yeah, Bill. Do you know his last name? I think it's Rhymers or something. Yeah, it is. Bill. That's good that you remember it. I, I wouldn't have remembered it. What about what about O'Donnell's character? I don't care. Gina Garrett. Um, she sings at one point she's taking a bath in this, a bubble bath. She's singing a Partridge family song, Nick. Oof. They were really, they were really trying to figure out things, how to make things work in this movie. They were working overtime. Yeah. All right. So let's let's do the work. We will. I, I'm just trying to figure out the name of this Peter Bogdana shit. The plot thickens. Yeah, it's called the plot thickens. Um, oh God. I wanted to fucking Charles that phone. <laughs> <laughs> so you're uh you're at the tattoo artist yeah and you've watched him do a double take when you said i want a tattoo from another stakeout <laughs> you you watch all his choices in life wash over his eyes get him to this moment and then he has to press ink to flesh <laughs> oh man that's a tough one okay i got i got it you got it okay um so i'm gonna get one of those um like the, like you know that dress that was popular that photo where everybody saw a different color of the dress yes i do so I'm going to have a tat of Emilio's face put on me that people can't decide if or not he has a mustache Dep- by the way that the guy he uses almost like a weird colored ink on the mustache region. Mm-hmm. And so some people, if you're, if you're like the got the chromosomes that those people have or whatever, you see it as with a mustache, but then there's people who through no fault of their own, but just actual science see the mustache. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what we're getting done. We're getting that done on my tricep. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's small. I thought I'm surprised this is the tattoo that for some reason out of the the ones that we've done recently, 
every tattoo involves you shaving something except this no one. i was thinking about that because what a perfect thing i was gonna have actually i was gonna grow a long piece of hair like the misfits guy that mm-hmm. just draped right over where the mustache was and so yeah. that you wouldn't know if he had the mustache or not because there was a hair there mm-hmm. but I, I went a different way i wanted to go a little bit more metaphysical I would on the back of my leg, my calf, I would just get a, a, a just a very, you know, just realistic looking, color accurate looking, a baby Ruth chocolate bar and a wrapper. Okay. Yep, that's what I'd do. Why? Oh, you don't remember Stowe eating a baby Ruth in this? <laughs> I thought you said you watched it. She had, she had a baby Ruth. In this, she's not a, barely in this movie. She's but she's eating candy in it. Um, yeah, this makes me love her more though. To be honest, uh, I know that's a great, that's a great, that's a great chocolate treat that explodes as you eat it. You get more out of your mouth than in your mouth, but I still kind of love it. I love her for loving it. <laughs> you think she was acting, or do you think the actual? Madeline Stowe. The AD was the, the AD forced him to strike the set immediately. He's like, "Look at this fucking mess. <laughs> we can't do another take. This place is covered in peanuts and chocolate. You fucking pig, Stowe." She's like, "I did the best I could. I got most of it in my mouth." <laughs> There's people with brooms all over the place, shitting their pants about working overtime because she fucking <laughs> blew up a baby Ruth. <laughs> they actually brought in the. The, t- the the medic on set to measure this the sides of her mouth. <laughs> you, you you just went. <laughs> you just went absolutely too hard on baby room. <laughs> My God. That would have been a good. It would have been great to see the, the, the like Rosie O'Donnell, uh, Richard Dreyfus, and Amelia Estevez, like just on the their little heads on the package, on the wrapper of a baby Ruth <clears throat> for this movie. Well, I was actually I, I'm subscribed to a true crime podcast called The Killing of Baby Ruth, and it's the second scariest and sad thing about Baby Ruth. <laughs> So, Ugh. all right. So you uh, you have been given the green light on a budget for an, another stakeout related enterprise. Mm-hmm. Man, you got a lot of places you can go. Right. What would you do? Where would you? How would you put that money to use? This is an easy one for me because <clears throat> you mentioned that Rosie O'Donnell in this is a bit of a, a chef, but a questionable one because she makes cute food. Right. In that party scene, she also makes she makes the penguin. Uh, devil's eggs and she makes an armadillo looking meatloaf it's it's hard hard to look at but you know the 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 dreyfus and amelia are skeptical of her cooking and and she's cooking for them and they like they're like great thanks and they go to this briefcase they pop it open and the briefcase is full of sandwich fixes yes so cold cuts Wonder Bread, a package of... And there's like a mayonnaise cannon in there. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there's a jar of mayonnaise, knives. There's everything's tucked, like, where you'd put files or documents, important stuff. 
that's where they put the sandwich fixings in. They, they everything like pickles in there. Yep. So I just that's what I'd market. I'd I'd the sandwich briefcase. Yeah. You know that's and just sell it. Because with... you see those things that they take like this for wine. It looks like a like a mm-hmm. like a basket that's built for wine, but it ain't this. Mm-hmm. This is insane. It's just like a this is like a briefcase you'd see in a bank, right. but you pop it open and there's like summer sausage or something in there, you know. And so that they, they, and that's their their go to. They that's they brought that to make themselves sandwiches, and they love it, right? And Dreyfus does a weird thing in this where he just uses one piece of bread, folds it over, and makes like a kind of a half sandwich and eats it. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> They're eating rough right. on this assignment, but I think that's. Why not? That's kind of like a nice surprise, you know, like a kind of a business business picnic type yeah. thing. Yeah, that's what I do. I market that. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. So to tie into the release of this film, I would actually have a game show on TV uh, that would air during the summer months. And it's called mm-hmm. Emilio or Charlie. And basically, uh, it's a the host will, will have a panel of people who will draw a card. And, it, and okay. it's basically a picture of an item. And they say, who can afford it? Emilio or Charlie? So it'll be like a, a, a toaster. Mm-hmm. And the answer will be Emilio, but Charlie can afford it too. So Charlie. <laughs> and then it'll be like a boat. And they'll say Emilio, <laughs> only Charlie. And so right. basically it's everything that Charlie Sheen can afford. And Emilio's the host as well, because he needs to work. But So it's basically... One giant show shitting on Emilio Estevez. <laughs> I thought the host, I have an idea for the oh. host. Although that is perfect, actually. Yeah. He would host that show. And then they would but cut what away about, to Martin what, Sheen in his house agreeing with everything. What about, um, what do we get? Get the uh, English actor, British actor, Michael Sheen to do that, to, to host it. That's true. Do you think he's a distant cousin? No. He's a uh, Sheen. It's a great name. Michael Sheen. You like Michael Sheen? I love him. Yeah. I hated him when I first saw him, and now I love him. Because How could what turned you around? Well, it wasn't Underworld. Like, Underworld's where I saw him, and I just hated his forehead that it was just... Wait a minute. Hold up, 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 up. It wasn't Underworld? <laughs> Actually, I liked, I, I liked Frost Nixon a lot, but it was it was, uh, right. it was his uh, the show, the, his um, series on the sex show. That thing was great. Masters of, oh, Masters yeah, of yeah. Sex. Masters of Sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With uh, the hot, what, what, yeah. What's her name? A cutie, a cutie girl. Yeah. yeah but what's her name? Yeah, she's she's great. Super great. Super cute. Why well, can't I remember her name? She's in Party Down. Yeah, she's super super cute. What's her? That's something L. Yeah, yeah. You can't remember? I, I, you remember I, I, I remembered name. it right before I said Masters of Sex, and now I am drawing a complete blank. Lily something? No. We'll, we'll get there. Don't look. All don't right. look. We'll get. I won't. We'll, I won't. You always get there. I don't. Yeah. She, Lindsay. Lily, something an L must be. No, you're L. definitely. It's definitely an L. God damn it! She was in um, Mean Girls. She was in Cloverfield. For right, God's she sakes, was. Nick. Yeah. Uh, Lizzie oh. Kaplan. Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah, I love her. Uh, my bad. Mind if I zoom in? Yeah. Once in a long time relationship with Matthew Perry. <laughs> Nailed it. Wow. The the only part that gives me comfort is that you said it in the past tense. No longer, my friend. Yeah. Woof. It's over. It's history. 
Yikes. Okay. Yikes. You nailed it. You got her name. I for some reason I couldn't get there. But I, I do like so her. I think she's actually you're trying to great tell me in almost that anything she's been in. How many films feature Odette, Yusman, and Lizzie Kaplan? That's like a lot of weird names in one spot. That it? Probably not. Yeah. What 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 film? Oh, Cloverfield. Uh, Cloverfield. Yeah. Uh so we nailed that. Um You've been you've been integrated into the story of another stakeout, and what right. what character? Oh, how God. how do you fit into this machine or this Mestavez? Mestavez <laughs> <laughs> and machine. <laughs> I like it. Obviously, I'd be a mouse. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, also a first for the show. And, uh, you know, a cool mouse. Mm-hmm. Probably a, kind of a handsome. Can, mouse, can a mice be handsome? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Oh. That's what I meant. <laughs> um, so when the dog is chasing the cat, mm-hmm. you don't know this. You didn't see they cut this out. The cat actually is chasing a mouse. And there is a beautiful shot that they lost in this. <laughs> shot from the... M- <laughs> mouse's anus with a little pink mouse tail over the camera of the cat you know chasing the mouse yep. you know what i'm saying what's the old nursery rhyme where like one thing's eating the other one like the you know the old woman ate the fly the fly you know whatever that the thing is you remember that that's no, probably some like the whatever, old woman lived in a shoe ate a mouse ate a spider spider ate the fly something like that but anyway it's kind of like this you know you you yeah. know that's why i'd be that little that little uh, cute little mouse <clears throat> you know what uh the big the big thing that peter that uh john badham could be said in mm-hmm. in in his fucking waking dreams he'll wake up in the middle of the night in a sweat and just saying should have been a manx should have been a manx solve he, uh, all of his problems he <laughs> apparently he was uh when he saw ratatouille he like yeah he was so pissed he was like this could have been you know, I, if I just had gotten that shot in there, yeah. you know, I could have, I could have sued. Um, all right, what, what about so, you? Who would you be? This is, I got kind of a sad story. I'm a guy who has been just busting his tail, building a machine that cures cancer. A machine. Mm-hmm. Killing it. And I, I was like, you know what? I need a place to keep this. Uh, this house is abandoned, or so I thought. I set up my machine, and then all of a sudden... Cat, they pushed Kathy Moriarty in there and all these other people. I'm I'm embarrassed. I'm hiding in the closet. So I'll just wait till they're gone. Is that sewage I smell? Is that gas? And they blow me out. <laughs> you get destroyed. Yeah, they blow me. You get they blow me and my cancer cure out. Yeah. <laughs> well, that sucks. Yeah. You know. That does put a little different spin on the movie, and it may be at the human cost that they don't really cover. Yeah. Mm. This movie doesn't, by the way, doesn't feature that high of a body count. At the beginning, some three people die at the, in the explosion. Well, four if you mm-hmm. count the, the creator, and then our our the legend, the assassin Miguel, Miguel. and and, and some period. cops get shot too. I don't know if they die. They do get shot. I don't think they die. Yeah. They get shot, but they don't. Uh, but the funny yeah. thing is, and the it, guy who. St- who is uh, under indictment lives throughout the whole film. And we don't even know if she testifies against him. Mm-mm. I think they were planning that for the third film. 
which unfortunately never came to be. But you're thinking they could still pull that off. In this day and age, they could. I would. It's almost, there's almost a feeling of, okay, so IPs are so hard to come by. Everybody's trying to come up with one. And uh, these guys, I, I, I miss Richard Dreyfus. Just, of course. I mean, some people miss Emilio. I mean, maybe his family. But um, maybe they get Charlie to play. The, I don't know. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd see this. You know, Badham's busy doing nothing. <clears throat> I'm looking up Dreyfus to see if he's actually in anything. Didn't he play Dick Cheney in something? Yeah, probably in that that movie that just came out. <clears throat> no, that was uh, Christian Bale. That's true. Why did I, why did I think that then? Because he didn't. He played, like, like, I think he played Dick Cheney in something. Oh, he must have, yeah. I don't know why. Oh, he is still working a lot. My God. That gives me hope. Oh, man, he was in, wasn't he, wasn't Dreyfus? Oh, that was Hoffman. That was a Hoffman that was in confidence, right? Yeah. Um, that's that's uh, cute of you to think that, though. I don't know. I'm trying to place him. Yeah, he's still working a lot, though. He's in something. He plays Winston Jones in The Killing of Winston Jones by uh, director J- Joel David Moore of Avatar Holy fame. shit. Guess who's in that? Joel David Moore. It's the only way to get him hired. <clears throat> Listen to this cast. They killed it with this. John Heater. Oh, Bernie Madoff. That's who he played. That's right. John uh, John Heater is one of my least favorite people ever. Jolie Fisher in this. Love her. Okay. Danny Glove. Nice. Love him. Tyler Labine. He might not know. I like him. T- Tucker and Dale. Lynn, Lynn Shea. And I've saved God. the best. Wait, first of all, for last. you got to stop talking about Lynn Shea. She shows up all the time on this shit. Who's the best for last? Danny Masterson. Oh shit! Hired in in now now. It must be this movie. Looks like it's in post production. Oh, it's completed. Maybe they were. I don't know. Yeah, it looks like it's it's not out yet. I can't imagine that they had hired Danny Masterson. Before his controversy, before he was outed as a fucking nightmare douche piece of shit. Allegedly. Um, well, it's not allegedly once a lot of people come no, forward. He might be, I he think. Might be a sweetheart. Um, <clears throat> he's still getting hired, apparently. I don't know how. Is, I mean, is he white? He sucks anyway. Huh? Is he white? Is he white? Um, <laughs> yes. So you're on an island. And you've accumulated a vast array of debris over the years. Um, and you got to take a totem from uh, another breakout. You can't even say it with a straight yeah. face. You're on an island. Mm-hmm. What are you bringing, dog? Hmm. That's such a good question. You know, it'd be funny to bring fish because there's a lot of fish probably around your island, but if you brought fish from this, they'd be confused. That would be, you know, like what the, what the absolute fuck where, what, where are we? What, what happened? You know, how are we here all of a sudden? But I won't do that to them. I like the idea of fish going with the actual F. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. And the F stands for fish in this instance. What do you what do you what do you think? Uh, what would you be? Oh bringing? my god! Oh man! No, do you know at one point in this movie where 
uh, Miguel Ferrar has a gun to Rosie O'Donnell, remember? Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, don't look. He's like, look, guys, don't shoot me because, you know, Emilio and Dreyfus are in pursuit. Well, look, just let me kill Kathy Morarty. Then we'll all get out of here like alive. Yeah. And he's got he's like, or I'll shoot Rosie O'Donnell. And Dreyfus goes, shoot her. I don't care. That's what he says. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that was improvised? Yeah, that was actually behind the scenes. I didn't know that was that wasn't written for the movie. Yeah. Wishful thinking. Shooter, I don't care. I think that probably threw that might have thrown that character <laughs> off a little bit. Both of them. What? What did everybody? What did he just say? Um. Well, I mean, I would bring that goddamn race car bed, Nick. Of course, I'd bring that. There's no question in my mind on my island. I need a comfy place to sleep. I'm not. I'm sick of sleeping on coconut tree leaves. Right. You know that's not comfortable. I don't like to make uh, a mattress out of sand. <laughs> You know that does that's not comfortable, it's right? Never been done, by the way. Uh, weave a hammock from something. Yeah. I don't know how to do yeah. it, but I certainly know how to fall dead ass asleep in a race car. But, right, right, yeah. And then dream of zooming around, yeah, on my back, yeah. You know, in the Indy five hundred yeah. with a pillow and winning that race. Yeah, and the pit crew coming. I'm going zoot zoot on your little fucking legs. Mm-hmm, yeah, on mm-hmm. the leg, not your legs, but the legs of the bed. No, they do. They do nothing. They do nothing to the car, but they take my pajama tops and they get another pajama top, a freshly, I don't know, laundered. I need you to. I need you to help me decide here. Who who spells pajamas the worst? Us or the British? Mm-hmm. All right, let's get a little. Let's get into this. What do you mean? So PJs? No, or? they spell pajamas P Y J. Oh, I I do like that. It bothers the shit out of me. You know, like, yeah, it. it's like Jason Fleming's last name. It's like, I, I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need you to throw letters at me. I didn't belong to. You're not down with that spelling. I Okay. That's something I just like tires with here. a Y that blows me off. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I, mm-hmm. I, when the Nightbreed computer game came out for the Amiga, I bought it instantly and it's mm-hmm. by ocean software in case you guys are in the market. It's on like three floppies. So the, I, I didn't know that the British spelled tires differently, but in that game mm-hmm. early on, you play Boone, the, they shoot out your tires, and it says one of your tires has been punctured, and it's spelled with a Y, and I, I'm out. Took I, you thought out. The, I thought the game was, I thought there was a flaw in the game, and I thought I'd have to return it. <laughs> and I, I hate, that was- I felt like it was an amateur video game. I didn't know what the fuck was happening, and I didn't realize, sadly, until over a decade later that that's how they spell it in England. I thought I had a shit, faulty, fake game. It's like they didn't even bother to spell things right in this Nightbreed game I demanded. And lo and behold, I'm reading Empire Magazine and fucking Tire is spelled with a Y. I'm like, oh, I'm the asshole. <laughs> did you go back and finish it? I did end up kicking ass in that game. What happens in that game? Oh, man, you don't, you ain't fucking kidding. I mean... <laughs> I mean, they didn't have much. It's a. I mean, back then, what do they? It's was like, was Boone running like around King's like, Quest with Pelican? I mean, like you, you go around, <laughs> you click around things, you avoid things. Is it an adventure game that you're it, like trying it's, to it's, find? It's a. It's a lot of it's a lot of cut scenes where you where you click on some stuff, and then there's little chase scenes like where Pelican or Decker is cha- like closing in on you and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Horribly made game. 
like third it's you know when defender of the crown was fresh this is this is what was happening and it was a nightmare but i was so happy that a game existed called for nightbreed that was the first huge win for me in life and then i that i had it you know i was like man i am supporting a, a, a true brand and i bought ocean software's nightbreed little did i know that i was an idiot and that the game was a complete idiot <laughs> Did you ever play, this is off topic, but did you ever play the Labyrinth game? No. Yeah, that was one of those games that I could not figure out. It was so hard because they designed, I think they designed it poorly. And you just, all you wanted to do was kind of like see Labyrinth stuff and like revisit the weird characters from Labyrinth. But I couldn't even get into like past like the stone guards (laughs) to get anywhere. And this is before you know, you have the internet to tell you exactly how to proceed. You know, I was just, you right. know, and then what happened, I, I think I had it on a floppy, like you said, and my dog would, if I ever let the floppy disks just sit idly by my computer, my dog would take them and bite them. Right. And so they would, and sometimes they'd still play parts of the game when I put them back, they'd always have teeth marks in them. But so that was an, another game that I couldn't figure out. And then it got bitten through. And I'd ha- um, and I'd take Madeline Stowe's vagina on the island. Sleeping in my own car I've got no way 